This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We begin with several developments at the city, or at least the lead-up to development. Toronto City Council voted unanimously to list Ontario Place on the city's Heritage Property Register. The listing doesn't offer any legal protections under the Ontario Heritage Act, and it will serve mostly as a symbolic gesture intended to signal that the city wants to see parts of it preserved. Now, frankly, it looks to me like a plea to the province to pretty please include the city in negotiations to redevelop the storied site. And that is something Queen's Park has not shown much of an inclination to do on any file. The city has no control of this process because it has neither the power nor the money, which brings me to the second little bombshell. People, you may be getting a second property tax bill in the mail. The city manager says that may be the only way to cover the shortfall left by provincial government cuts. And we are going to bring in the budget chief in a few minutes. I'd like to give out the numbers. I'd like to hear from you. What about that second property tax bill? And what about Ontario Place? I'm sure we all have memories from there. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And now in studio with me, we begin with Aleem Kanji of Sutherland Corporation. Hi, Aleem. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be with you, Libby. Okay. So uh, first, let's start with Ontario Place. What's happening with that? Well, uh, we know that the uh, the province is, is, is put out an RFP basically to look at how uh, they want to revamp and revitalize Ontario Place. And it's interesting because if you, if you actually look at what they've put out, there really are um, no sort of preconceived notions of what, what they want. Um, they have said that they're open. Um, everything is uh, on the table. They are not making any comments around, uh, you know, some uh, people's views of what, what should happen, be that the actual pods at Ontario Place or uh, ideas around um, uh, a casino or, or a Ferris wheel, as, as some have talked about in the past. Um, and so everything really is is on the table. But I have to say this. I think, you know, Ontario Place really is, it's a gem. And I think we're blessed to have this as as a city and, of course, wider uh, as as a province. It's a very unique part of of Toronto. Um, I also think, uh, it, it, in my view, that it is very much underutilized. Um, I'm going to show my age here a bit, but I remember going there as a kid, um, you know, with with my family, and and uh, and it, it it really has stayed the same. Um, not much has changed, and uh, and there's opportunities to to look at, at doing uh, doing things differently. We saw a transit announcement from the uh, provincial government around bringing uh, a subway to Ontario Place, connecting it with the Ontario Science Centre. Uh, so you know, there's that as well. But um, you know, I, I think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, uh, and and I'd like to think that our uh, provincial government and our city government can look at it. 
as that once in a lifetime opportunity and to do what is right for people um, and and for the future of of our, our our province and really make it that place as it once was that people are attracted to that want to get down there enjoy the water make it a destination uh, like it was once again well I guess the worry is that it's there's no parameters for what the development is. We've already seen on other files that the province seems to be inclined to let developers do what they want. We're hearing maybe now they will have fewer fees. Uh, they're getting rid or bringing back the Ontario Municipal Board, which has been a huge problem for Toronto and which w- we finally gave it the heave-ho about a year ago. So it seems to be inclined uh, to unbridled development. There are people who are even worried that some of these development proposals may prevent people from accessing the waterfront. And that's possible. Um, you know, certainly there have been changes in the development uh, process that uh, that the province has brought in, and I think that municipalities are are looking at how they can deal with it from a from a planning and from a development uh, perspective. Um, but again, I come back. I come back to the opportunity. You know, we've got um, the World Cup that is coming to uh, to Toronto, and a, and a little shout out to Bob Richardson, who I know is a friend of the show, uh, who's leading that. He and was just here yesterday. He, he was here yesterday, and so you know, I think you know, it's 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 ideas and projects like that, and how we can expand. You know, we've got the CNE that's you know, literally at the doorsteps of, of Ontario Place as well. And and our studios here in Liberty Village. Exactly. I mean, we're a stone's throw away and uh, from where we sit today. And so how do we look at that? How do we look at the neighbours in Liberty Village and, uh, and how their transit needs uh, can be accommodated for and built in? You know, we've got guys like Ken Tannenbaum uh, who have put out, uh, you know, a, a pretty interesting thought leadership. Uh, Joe Barrage of Urban Strategies. I mean, these are prominent um, uh, individuals that do development work that are respected the world over that happen to be from Toronto, that have their own visions of what the c and what Ontario Place should look like. And, you know, I think those perspectives, along with the people, should be considered. Um, we, we've got to look at this holistically. I, I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, I think many would agree we don't want to build a, a wall of condos down there. I think we need to do a little bit better than that. And I think we need to look at how we utilize this for the future of our city. I know that the last time that a a downtown casino was on the table, you know, just on my drive home from work, a sea of signs, no casino, no casino. Are people right to be afraid that there's going to be a casino and that famous, uh, I guess it was uh, Rob Ford, Ferris wheel idea? Are people right to be afraid that it's going to be some kind of, you know, cheesy... Whatever. Well, look, the province has said, again, they're open to ideas and suggestions. And uh, certainly they would be, um, uh, I think, wise to look at the municipal history on issues uh, like that. Um, and, and I want to come to both of those points. And I'll start with the Ferris wheel because, you know, you go down there um, and, and you go down there in the middle of the summer um, and there already is a Ferris wheel and it's at the c and um, There was a Ferris wheel down there uh, in the wintertime when they had the uh, Aurora Winter Festival. I had the, the good fortune of going down there with my kids um, and I had the bad fortune of waiting for about 90 minutes to ride a Ferris wheel in the middle of winter. It was that... <laughs> packed. 
Uh, and we all know the kind of winner we had. Maybe we in do Toronto. need another Ferris wheel, Aleem. I don't know. But you know, if you look at this, if you look at this, and, and you know, I think my my perspective may be a bit different than than others. But you know, look at the London Eye. Um, you see a tourist attraction. This is a Ferris wheel in the center of London. You know, arguably one of the most historic cities in the Western world. Um, and it is a major tourist attraction. It, it, it makes money. The people like it. And it's a very dense area. Um, could the same be, be held in Toronto? Um, we'll, we'll let, we'll let people decide that if they want to see that down there. Uh, and, uh, and I think these sorts of ideas are, are up, uh, up for debate. But I hear, I think you said let people decide that. I don't think people are going to decide that. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I don't mean that they, I don't think they will get the opportunity to decide. I mean, it, the, it looks like it's the provincial government that will be deciding this and probably quite quickly. Well, the development proposals that come forward, you know, as part of the RFP yeah. will, will, will uh, determine, you know, what things look like. And we've got a casino coming up in the northwest part of Toronto, uh, you know, as part of the OLG uh, uh, bid. Uh, and we've got one uh, coming up uh, right at, at Woodbine. Uh, in the heart of Etobicoke. And so is there room for, for another one down here? We already have a casino at the C&E, uh, every, uh, every summer. Now I know that's only for a couple of weeks. Um, do people want to turn that into a larger, longer term, um, a permanent facility? Up for debate and, uh, up, up for people that, 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 uh, may want to revisit that idea, uh, or look to that as an, as a, perhaps an economic enabler to revitalize the waterfront or perhaps not. Perhaps they, they want to keep it more open access, preserve the pods, revitalize Ontario place, uh, stay away from, 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 uh, from condos and from casinos, uh, and, uh, you know, make sure that, that people are able to, to kayak and paddle boat and all that stuff. And I think, I think, a lot of these things can be integrated. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all solution. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what uh, the development industry brings back and uh, and what it looks like for the future of, uh, of our city. Okay, we are going to uh, switch over to our second topic, Elim, and that is the possibility of a second property tax bill. People, are you ready for this? Let's bring in Toronto's budget chief, Gary Crawford. Hello. Hello, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm doing well today. Well, at least I haven't seen the second property tax bill, so I'm I'm still okay. This is unprecedented. Oh, absolutely, it is. Listen, um, it's very. I don't think I've ever seen a situation where we've are under the risk of opening up a budget that we've already passed uh, last year, and because of changes that the provincial government has uh, really retroactively put on us, um, major. Changes a magnitude up uh, upwards of probably 178 million dollars at this point, um, and they are changes that are impacted a budget that we've already passed. Uh, the city manager did bring a report to council yesterday outlining all this, and he's going to get into more detail in July when he brings forward what the potential, uh, I guess, outcomes of this could be. But when you're looking at it, uh, really, it is uh, major service cuts or, or service cuts or, or raising taxes. Uh, I could tell you one thing. I do not want to do both, nor the mayor and I both ran on a platform of keeping property taxes low. I will be doing everything I can to ensure that. But again, when you're looking at the the, the amount of changes, uh, I'm hoping that uh, the provincial government will rescind some of these changes. gives us the ability to really look at, uh, you know, the, it's, a, it's a balanced budget. We've done it. We now need to move forward looking at 2020, and that's what we're hoping they will do. If they came through with, say, one-time funding, would that be enough? 
Well, uh, we did move a motion yesterday. We are right now focusing on 2019. Again, because the budget's already passed and balanced, uh, that they would bring, if anything, let's at least bring a, just some one-time uh, funding opportunities or are rescinding some of the, the, the cuts that they have uh, put in, whether it's public health, children's services, or paramedic services, or whatever, that we can deal with that. And then sit down with them and have that longer conversation over the next number of months and year on the impacts of the changes that the, the government are looking at doing. But to do it retroactive, retroactively is really impacting and could potentially impact uh, the, the 2019 budget. And so is, is the retroactivity of it more of a problem than the actual magnitude in your view? I think it's both. Uh, the magnitude is is quite large uh, when you're looking at whether it's uh, 65 million dollars for public health, 84 or 85 million dollars for children's services. Yes, the impact is, is considerable. But to to do that, once the but we're already we're five months through the year. We've already our services. We've already been spending money, and to now retroactively take that away, we don't know where we're going to be able to find that because we've been spending the money. We've been actually using the services. That is the bigger, um, I think, immediate challenge that we have to face. Uh, Aleem, did you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, and, and I think the, you know we're we're in an area that and I know Councillor Crawford would um, would uh, would agree with this. <clears throat> the, the municipalities uh, and all of them across the province, you know, four hundred plus municipalities, are not allowed to um, uh, basically carry a deficit. They got to ba- balance their books by law. That is what is is required. Yeah, we know that. So, how do we balance the need for? Um, um, what's coming down from the province, a lot of the downloading with the fact that they've, they, they've got to balance their books. And, you know, are there avenues and are there ways in which um, the city uh, can look at, uh, uh, at, uh, at saving money? You know, there's, there's been a number of uh, reports from the city's own auditor general that has uh, suggested that there, there could be ways in which to save. And, um, you know, the, the municipality, Toronto, have to decide which way they want to go and, and, uh, um, you know, things like, um, um, uh, watering dead uh, tree stumps. Uh, when you talk about that's a boondoggle and, and the mayor himself has suggested that they sue that company. And I mean, I agree. That's, that's ridiculous. But you know what? You're going to find stuff like that at every level of government. I, I'm sorry to say. No question. And there's probably efficiencies, uh, quite rightly at the provincial level that the premier and, and uh, his cabinet have talked about that they're looking at, at, at bringing in. But how do you maintain that? Now, how do, how do we keep that quality of, of service and of, of, of life that we all enjoy in the city of Toronto? That's the balance that, that we're trying to find. Councillor Crawford, just in a nutshell, though, I mean, basically, the province says the cuts would amount to administration cuts and, and basically that you're a bunch of whiners. Well, I can tell you, Libby, um, I tend to be a very fiscally responsible person, hence being the budget chief. Uh, to be able to find those kind of efficiencies are not there, especially in the timeline that they have suggested. Yes, the Auditor General has a number of uh, reports that he she has brought forward. In fact, it was a year and a half ago we increased the Auditor General's budget so she could go out and do more of uh, finding efficiencies. So I'm totally on board with that. The challenge, of course, is a lot of the recommendations she has put forward do take time. You can't do, I don't think there's anything that you could do in, in a couple of months that would have the kind of impact that we need to balance a budget that is already balanced. Okay, so you're saying it's about $180 million if 
we were to get a, a, a second tax bill. Do you have a number on what the average of that would be for the average Well, again, homeowner? if you're looking at just $180 million, and if that is a real number that the city manager has suggested, that works out to be the equivalent of 6% property tax increase. And, I can tell you one thing. I'll be doing everything I have in my power to ensure that that doesn't happen. And, okay, uh, do you know from the top of your head uh, what the average property tax bill is and what 6% of that is? Well, no, I actually don't know that offhand. I do know that the average property tax bill was about 2.5% last year. So what you saw on your bills or you're seeing on your bills as they're coming in now was about 2.5 added. It's about a little over three, actually, when you add all the other um, factors in. But again, it's nothing to the the size of what could potentially happen, understanding that that is something we do not, the mayor and I do not want to do. No, I understand that. I'm I'm talking about in dollars and cents. Aleem, have you figured it out? Well, here's the reality. you know, the city of Toronto, When you, if you look at all the municipalities across the GTA, and I know the budget chief and, and Councillor Gary Crawford knows this, but Toronto pays and has the lowest property tax rate when you look at all the GTA municipalities. We've also got a, a subway to run. We've got other infrastructure that, that needs to get paid for that I believe is very unique to Toronto as compared to other 905 municipalities. Now, having said that, we also have a separate tax bill for um, you know things like garbage uh, and other services that we receive separately. And so um, on the one hand, you could you could make the argument, and I know our friends in the 905 oh, do this all, all the, time, the time, yes, and say, you know, you guys in Toronto are, are are not paying your your fair share because you are paying lower property taxes, yet you have more services to cover. So how do you find that balance? And uh, and and is it time to increase property taxes? Which of course would be political suicide for any municipal elected official in the 416. Uh, Councillor Crawford, remember, I don't remember what it was, a couple years back, maybe maybe when uh, the city was looking at other, quote, revenue tools. Uh-huh. Uh, it was uh, parking, b- business parking and more hotel tax and tourism tax. What about all that? Uh, well, so we did actually um, implement a hotel tax or the equivalent of. Um, we have looked at a parking tax that would be on parking spaces, but uh, the report that came back suggested that it would be administratively almost impossible to do. Uh, we did look at a road toll a couple of years ago, as you may remember. Oh, yes, uh, the, the uh, boy gov- in short pants. Yeah, Ka- Kathleen, government of the time. And uh, Kathleen Wynne took that, that away. Right. Yeah, Kathleen took that away. And again, that was that was substantial. That I mean, when you're looking at the the revenues that that would have generated, would have been upwards of being able to deal with billions of dollars of our capital backlog. And that was a substantial, um, and it was a very difficult debate, understandably. But we did agree to do that. But that was taken away from us. But, but also just a minute, let you, me let me jump yeah. in there. Is is there talk of running that by Doug Ford, or would that be running it up the wrong tree? Uh, I think that would be running it up the wrong tree with regard to the premier. But again, I mean, that's where we do try to keep taxes low. And understanding where we see um, the difference in a lot of the other municipalities is our benefit is the municipal land transfer tax. So it may not hit every taxpayer, but we do have people who are purchasing properties in the city pay a lot of taxes in the MLTT. So that gives us the ability to actually keep rates maybe a little lower than other municipalities. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, is it getting back to our challenge, which is in 2019, it says we have a balanced budget that we're now going to have to open up and figure out how we find quickly 
uh, some changes if the provincial government doesn't uh, rescind some of these changes uh, for us or give some one-time uh, consideration for 2019. And on that on that land transfer tax, Libby, as we move into a slowing market in real estate, um, I think it's the city manager and others uh, at the city that have said we're relying on that too heavily uh, in terms of our, our total budget. So when we see a correction in the real estate market, and we've seen it over the last year, whether that continues or not, who knows, um, there will be less revenue that comes in as a result of that land transfer tax in Toronto. And I know other municipalities that want to control their own destiny and have the same tools uh, as uh, uh, our friends here in Toronto, they would like the same uh, options as well. You know, we're seeing Mississauga and, and uh, perhaps Brampton potentially becoming a single-tier municipality. They would also like that ability to add to their revenues by collecting a land transfer tax. But it is relied on, I think uh, the budget chief and, and Councillor Gary Crawford would agree, a little bit too heavy uh, as a percentage of the total budget in Toronto, what's coming from that land transfer tax. Um, yeah. And and so are there other ways and means to, to raise some money? Councillor yeah. Crawford, how much of this is a kind of trial balloon to to scare everybody? Uh, and how real is the prospect of a second property tax bill? Well, again, I mean, as we're going through this uh, political debate at, at uh, council in the province, yes, there is rhetoric that's going out there. Um, I, I try to stay away from that myself. I, I really do look at the numbers. I really do look at the kind of impacts that could happen. And as I said, I mean, I am concerned myself that, again, we will have the, the decision and the, the, the city manager will, will bring us that report. We either, you know, cut services or we raise taxes. Um, there could be some one-time, um, you know, finding a bit from a reserve here and there, but we don't have the tools. We really don't have the tools at this point to really do anything other than, you know, as I said, cut services, raise taxes, if we have to deal with that kind of, uh, finding that kind of money that the province has indicated. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good morning. You used to be a regional councillor. I used councilor. to be a municipal councillor. I'm also, for 45 years, have been a CPA. And Libby, I have to think back about your comment about not being able to get around in this city. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is that the swing item on municipal budgets is the capital. So... For years, we did nothing with regard to subway construction, et cetera. <clears throat> Yet we've got more condo buildings going up in this city than there are mushrooms in a field. And I live up near Young and Eglinton, and I can just give up ever getting on the subway at any time, you know, in the, well, it's rush hour all day long on the subway now. Okay, so what are you saying? Well, I'm saying the other factor that everybody is missing is how much um, revenue growth is coming in from new assessments. And much of this development shouldn't be taking place because we can't service the people we've got living in the city now. You made the comment about the traffic. And um, I've had one experience, and I talked to Josh Matlow about it. I hit a pothole last year. It cost me 1600 bucks. Yeah. And I've been reporting potholes like crazy now for the last two years. I think there could be something that could be done in that area. It took more than six months to get the claim processed. And I've watched what goes on now with regard to identifying and fixing potholes. I think the time has come to look at what we are doing and find cost savings, not just increasing revenue. 
I find it very, you know, nasty uh, to split up the tax bill into garbage for this and water for that. The same game that's been played by Hydro, where you used to get one bill. Well, now you can't tell what it's costing you uh, per kilowatt hour because they played that marketing game of, of chopping it all up. So, And it's not fair, really, to the uh, councillors because they're not finance people. So government is run by the bureaucrats. We've got to go back and cut costs. And I may not like what Ford's doing, but he has to do it. We're going bankrupt in this province. Okay, Pat, thanks for that. I'm going to put that over to Councillor Crawford, and I think he is a finance person. Uh, listen, first of all, I have a huge finance uh, department that are behind me. Um, and, and, and when we're looking at uh, just the assessment growth, we have about $60, $80 million a year that we get in from new people moving into the city. So our budget can increase $60, $65, $80 million a year, which is great. But he is right. We do not have uh, provide the right kind of services at times, and that's where development charges come in. We charge developers if they want to develop something to build a building and all of that. But it's a challenge to ensure that we provide the right kind of services as the city is growing. The fact that it's growing is wonderful, not going the other direction. Uh, but again, the other challenge is, is, is financial, and he is right. We do. I do know the mayor and I spend a lot of time looking at how to save money, looking at how do we modernize the kind of uh, operations that we have. The city of Toronto is huge. There will always be those opportunities, and, and that's where we actually work very closely with the Auditor General um, and, and trying to figure out how do we save money on a regular basis, how do we modernize, how do we do all these things that we need to do as a large metropolitan city. But at the same time, again, we do look at trying to provide the residents uh, with property tax increases as low as possible. That's a a platform that this mayor and I think most mayoral candidates over the last number of years have uh, Certainly if they want to be elected. (laughs) Liam, you wanted to uh, react to that? I I did. You know, I I didn't know, by the way, Libby, you were going to have two councillors on the show today. You had a (laughs) 45-year-old 45 veteran counselor. Uh, th- that is incredible. Public He's a regular service. listener and he sets us straight on a lot of things. Thanks, Pat. But, you know, Pat, counselor Pat, uh, sorry, we didn't get his last name, but we, you know, this guy brings up a really interesting point around capital cost and the increasing pressures of those capital costs of services, um, that municipalities have to pay for. And, you know, for this reason, when you talk about a TTC subway upload, which, the province has said that they want to do. What does that mean for the capital costs of, of the TTC moving forward? Is that something that municipalities will no longer have to contribute their, their money, their one-third uh, uh, towards? Are they going to have to pay for the operating costs? Is that something the, the province wants to take over? I mean, these are all questions that, that I think, um, you know, we need, we need to be asking and, and thinking about. But, you know, this notion that, that he brought up earlier around, you know, there's too many people in this city and, and all this sort of stuff. You know, when we start getting into that kind of language and narrative around there's too many new people coming in, I think that sets a very dangerous precedent for this city. You know, and as an immigrant to this city myself, along with half of the other, you know, people in this city, most of which were not born here, I think we've got to be careful around that sort of language. Well, I mean, I think what he meant was that there's there's too many people for the infrastructure. But he mentioned new people coming in as well. And I, th- I think we've got to be careful with that. Okay. Because- okay. Yeah. I mean, I you know, here in Liberty Village... Condos, young people, pets, great area. There are too many people for the infrastructure. There's not enough parks. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, 
young millennials. And, and many yeah. of those are new people. Many of those come from other places in Ontario because they yeah. can't find jobs in Smith's Falls, in Aurelia, etc. Exactly. Uh, so I, you know, okay. Uh, let's take a couple of more calls. By the way, Aleem uh, uh, crunched some numbers. So uh, Councillor Crawford, tell me if you think this is more or less right, that average property tax in Toronto about $4,000. Do you agree with that? Um, yes, it may be a little bit high, but that's that's about right. Okay, so 6% of that is about $240. Uh-huh. Okay, people, so that's what we're talking about. If a, bu- a buck a day, almost. Not a buck of beer, uh-huh. but a buck a day. <laughs> But that's you added on give top up of two, your... the garbage that you that's you right. the garbage fees, the water fees, the existing uh, increase. So when you add it all up, it could be substantial. Okay, uh, Diane in Toronto. Hi. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Hi, Libby. Uh, thank you for taking my call. You know, it seems every time the city needs money, they go after property tax people. People that have property have to bear the brunt of it, and it's not fair. We all enjoy the services and the benefits of the city. We should all be paying equally. But it's always the property people that have have to bear the cost of it. You know, even uh, Mayor Tory has said on several occasions, you know, property tax was never meant to support all these services. And yet every year we get dumped on, and whenever you need the money, we get dumped on. It's just not fair. City have to watch their costs. They have to find some new revenue uh, streams. But it's just not, it's, as I say, it's just not fair. Just people that have property, they have to bear the brunt of it. it, it it's considered a pretty regressive tax. Diane, thank you very much for that. Councillor Crawford, what are you saying to Diane? Oh, Diane is absolutely right. When you're looking at the tools that we have in our war chest or our revenue chest, uh, we really have the property taxes, the larger. Yes, we have the MLTT, and we have service fees that people will will pay when you go to a you know for um, the swimming pool and all that. But the major contributor, out, and again, outside of uh, transfer funds from the provincial federal government, is our property tax. But we don't have the ability to do much else. Uh, hence, you know, through the City of Toronto Act, uh, we're limited. We do have a few tools. Uh, again, the, the, the road toll that the tr- province said no to, but we do rely too heavily on the property tax. And that would, there would be, I'd, I would love to have opportunities to have other kinds of forms of revenues that uh, the province would allow us to have. Okay. Don in Toronto, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. Yeah, I'm just wondering, they say down at City Hall, well, first, Ford is right, all they do is whine. The second thing is, they they have all these extra vehicles, they don't use them, and they have people using their own cars, and they pay them kilometers. And I figured it out, it's like 72 cents a kilometer. Now, if they want to save money, what the hell are they doing down there? They say, well, we got to raise the taxes. What about people who make $14 an hour? Go downtown and have to pay for parking. These guys make $200,000 and they get free parking. They probably have free golf. They got all these <laughs> perks, but they need money. But you have to squeeze the little people. That's all I got to say uh, about oh, those idiots. There's only 24 <laughs> idiots downtown. Oh, okay, okay. Let's, and, let's, and, let's, let's have nice language. Okay, Don, thanks for that. Don't have to call anybody idiots. Don't think they're all making $200,000. And, and I'm playing think... golf. I'm playing golf all, all day. I, I, you know, mm. Councillor Crawford and, and his colleagues and the bureaucrats. They work very hard. They work incredibly hard. And I can assure you, 
even though there are a few city-owned golf courses, I can assure you there are there is no one at City Hall playing golf during the day. Uh, I yeah, they oh, they that, work that, that I can attest to. They they have incredibly long working hours. Uh, Suzanne in Oakville, you are in favor of a property tax hike, but you're in Oakville, Suzanne. Yes, <laughs> you're I not am, paying Lydia, it. I am in Oakville. And uh, Toronto is definitely underpaying uh, realty taxes. How would they like to pay $9,870 a year? My husband and I have been on fixed income for a number of years, OES CPP, and this is what we need to pay. Now, those in Rosedale, uh, where I reside, uh, close to the lake here, can be comparable to those in Rosedale. Are they paying anywhere near almost $10,000 a year? In Rosedale, and those big piles, probably. You think so, Libby? I somehow I doubt it. I, 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 okay, maybe in Rosedale. Well, you know what? All of that, all of that, uh, that information is public. You can look it up. Yes, uh, I can. Yes, you can, can, and uh, I can look it up, and I can look because... it up too. But here, okay, we have GTA residents <laughs> pitted against each other in this. Yeah, no, really, Libby. What's four thousand dollars a year? My husband and I would be bowing down to to our uh, um, town of Oakville here if our taxes were that amount of money. Okay, thanks, Suzanne. So, so Suzanne pays one of the highest property taxes in the GTA. Uh, they're up there, but I'll, but I'll tell you something: she can move. Neighbor to next door uh, uh, in Burlington. She doesn't want to move. Where they've She's, got their houses lo- paid off. Yeah, she- lower property taxes, right? So um, down there with with Toronto. So you know, here here. Then this is the thing: is that when you look at the the Vaughns and the Richmond Hills and the Oakvilles of of the world, they are significantly higher than Toronto. They don't run a subway. Uh, they don't have nearly the same needs that that uh, Toronto has, but. We pay a lot lower in Toronto. Okay. Uh, Councillor Crawford, uh, we're just about running out of time on this. What would you like to leave us with, and when do you expect that we will uh, have a resolution on this? Well, the, I do know the city manager will be bringing a report in July. That's a couple of months from now. Uh, but my hopes is, is through our conversations uh, with the province that they will look at, you know, these kind of changes and the impacts of the 2019 budget. Listen, as soon as we can do that, I'll be sitting down with the city manager and the mayor uh, in the next couple of days to start figuring out how we, you know, how we deal with this. I'm actually opening up our our budget cycle uh, starting next week to really figure out what we do. So I'm hoping that through the dialogue that uh, has been happening the last couple of days that the province will at least deal with the 2019 pressure that we have and let us talk uh, from there on. Okay. Councillor Crawford, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Libby. Aleem? Always a pleasure. This was fun. And, uh, you know, we started talking about Ontario Place and we, we've talked about uh, uh, cost savings and things that the, the city can do. Um, this is going to be an interesting, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, issue to follow. And, and I think more importantly, um, we'll continue to set the tone for provincial municipal relationships. There's three years left um, with this this current government. And uh, I think, um, you know, whether it's an issue like Ontario Place, rebuilding the CNE, um, you know, uh, looking at, at the way property taxes are managed, these two governments are going to have to find a way to work together. Because uh, at the end of the day, um, they're representing the same person. Yeah, and at the end of the day, there is one taxpayer. That's right. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.